This is the Dogs on the Hill podcast with your host, Reeves Fisakerly. Welcome back to the Dogs on the Hill podcast. It is Saturday, March 11th. I'm your host, Reeves Fisakerly, and I'm very excited because today... I have a special guest, my good buddy Diego. How's it going, man? I'm good. How are you, man? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. I love to be here. Yeah. It's exciting. So Diego and I have a lot of things we're going to run over. It's probably going to be a pretty heavy NFL day, but we definitely decided that we wanted to make this episode because last night, massive news in the NFL, the Chicago Bears did in fact trade the first overall pick, but... I was thinking, who's going to take it? Probably the Texans. Maybe the maybe the Colts will make a run. No, the Carolina Panthers are going to pick first overall this year. They get, in exchange, the Bears will get the 2023 first that the Panthers owned, next year's first round pick, this year's second round pick, and the 2025 second round pick, along with wide receiver DJ Moore. Now, I'm going to run over some of Moore's stats from last year. He had 63 receptions. For 888 yards and seven touchdowns. And he was a first round pick by the Panthers in 2018. Now, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. You told me, we, we kind of differ here. You say that the Panthers kind of overpaid, and I think that the Bears could have got more. So fill me in. What what you think? Well, firstly, of course, this is, I think, a massive trade for the Bears. The yeah. Bears absolutely nailed this. They get a huge wide receiver with 800, first off, 800 yards with your quarterbacks being like, four different people yeah last year. no consistency um now they also have the ninth overall pick from the panthers the mm-hmm. 53rd from the ravens the 61st from the panthers and the 64th all right so already they've stacked up on draft picks this year alone they have a new wide receiver helping chase claypool who as a steelers fan i know he's very much a third wide receiver on a team yeah <laughs> and for the panthers this gives me a situation where I'm not excited if I'm Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. You know, your left, your wide receivers right now are LaVisca Chenault, Shai Smith, Andre Roberts, and Preston Williams. Why? Yeah. I do not want to go into a situation like that. And you don't have CMC anymore. You have a, you bring up an excellent point because what this is doing is it's giving Justin Fields, I don't know if I want to say a number one wide receiver, but when you look at the Bears' like wide receiver depth, it's not that deep. Like, DJ Moore might be the best on that roster. And now the Panthers, as you just ran through, I mean, it's been completely combed through. No, there's nothing. So, and then this even this even made me think this. So, I assume that the Panthers make this move to pick a guy like Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or Will Levis. I don't know. There's a lot of quarterbacks in this right. draft. But that's just what we're thinking. Like, did they do this move to pick somebody like a Will Anderson? Because sure, they have PJ Walker and Sam Darnold on their roster. And I know there were talks like maybe Jimmy Garoppolo goes to the Panthers. But all that to say, I thought the Panthers were not set at quarterback, but I didn't think that that was going to be a pressing issue. Do you? I think they may be doing this to pick a QB, but it surprises me. What do you think? I think this has to be a QB pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, you trade so much, you got to get your generational talent. And I think... I'm here saying that Bryce Young should be the number one overall pick. I think it's unanimous. That dude balls. We saw how well he can play. You know, yeah. I'm so excited to see him in the NFL. I think that has to be the pick. Yeah, I completely agree. I would, if I'm a franchise, I would definitely pick Bryce Young first overall too, because I mean, you pick the best player. Yeah. Now, so as I alluded to earlier, we kind of stand Diego and I stand differently here. 
I think that the Bears, maybe not necessarily that they should have got more, but they could have. And the reason I say that is, let's go back to the 2021 draft. So the 49ers, when they used that third overall pick to get um, Trey Lance, they traded with Miami to get that. And what Miami got back was a 2021 first, a 2022 first, a 2023 first, and a 2022 second. So they got they got three firsts and a fourth. Yeah. So that I think is overpay. That's ridiculous. But similar to the Deshaun Watson contract situation, the market has been set. There's a market value that has shown what teams will pay and now what teams will be will expect. So I don't know why Carolina ended up being the trade partner, but I got to think that there are other teams out there that would have been willing to pay more for it, right? I'm not crazy for thinking that. I think there had to have been some teams that wanted to pay more, but then there's also the situation that if you look at a lot of mock drafts before what happened, Jalen Carter was unanimous, like number one yeah. all over the place. And then obviously he got charged with the reckless driving issues. I think that does hurt Chicago in their trading. I think it hurts them trying to go out there and shop the trade because a, a bunch of people now know it's like, oh, what who you wanted is dropping in the draft. So yeah. we, we're not bothered. We'll offer left. So. So we talked about we we're talking about the Carolina implications. What do you think about Chicago picking at number nine? I had proposed the idea a while ago of, or not just me, many people have discussed the idea of Chicago trading down because they don't need a quarterback. They have Justin Fields. Yeah. I had always said maybe they drop down to like four or five and then use that to take Will Anderson Jr. What do they do at number nine? Because I would still say if Will Anderson Jr. is on the board, personally, I think he's like the best player to go to the Bears. But I don't know if he's still going to be available at number nine. He's like the best defensive player in this draft. So what do you think the Bears do at nine? Or do they trade again? Do they move that pick up I, or down? You can definitely look at trading once again. But the Bears need defense. Yeah, They, they desperately need it. And I don't see Jalen Carter dropping that far. But again, if he drops that far, you can look at getting him. Mm. Um, but with the, with the four picks that they have within the first 65 picks, you can stack up on defense. Yeah. And if the Bears just pick right, that's all you really need. I don't think they'll necessarily land a superstar at the ninth pick. So yeah. they could look at potentially trading that, which as the Bears CEO, general manager, I would have to look at. So here's what I'm going to do. I pulled up the draft order that's been updated. and we talk, So the two defensive players who we've been talking about are Jalen Carter and Will Anderson Jr. So with the Bears picking at night, I'm going to run through these teams. and I just want you to tell me yes or no. Do you think one of these teams would take either one of them? Okay. All right. So first, Carolina Panthers. No. Two, Houston Texans. No. Three, Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Okay. So let's say that. one of them goes off the board there. Yeah. Four, Indianapolis Colts. I feel like they might be the team that reaches on quarterback. I'm. Yeah. I, we've had this disagreement. I don't think Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are that high, mm -hmm. but teams need quarterbacks, and I think Colts will be the one to reach. I think so too. I think. I think we can say the Panthers are going to take Bryce or CJ, and then the Texans will take the other one. Exactly. So that will leave the Colts at picking because they need a QB. I'm shocked they didn't try to get first or second pick. So I think they will be getting, like you said, either a Will, uh, not Will, excuse me, Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker, somebody like that. I agree. Okay, so we have one left. See, or one of those players is still on the board. Fifth, Seattle. Ooh, see, Seattle has a really good defense right yeah, now. Yeah. So, so the thing that I think about with Seattle is. Their general manager has gone on the record and said, even if we extend Geno Smith, we will probably pick a quarterback at fifth. Yeah. 
I mean, they. I love Geno Smith, and I really hope that they stick with him as well. And, you know, they nailed the Tariq Woolen pick from last year as well. Yeah. So they could maybe look defense, but their defense was solid last year. So, I don't know, maybe get another weapon for Geno if you're going to stick with Geno at the same time. Yeah. I guess the question is, do you get a weapon or do you get a protege? Yeah. I mean, they still have the 20th overall pick, too. So it's not like that's their only first. But, okay, so we still have one on the board. Six, Detroit. Ooh, I've heard rumors that Detroit might go quarterback as well. Really? Yeah, okay. I've seen. So I like Jared Goff, and I think they should I do stick, too. They should definitely stick with him. But I saw a lot of rumors about they should look at Lamar, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. And they should maybe draft a quarterback. But again, when I think that maybe it will be Will Levis that's left, I don't, I don't think he should go quarterback there. Yeah, I think I agree. I was not the biggest Jared Goff fan until this year. I really think, I don't know if it's the coaching or the system or just player development because let's face it a lot of these guys enter the league at a young age but I'm on the Jared Goff train now like I think you stick with him like he's not of course he's not a superstar quarterback but he has proven he can be your starter and play incredibly well you know so yeah all right seventh the Raiders Ooh. yeah that might be it. That might I, be think, that I think that's that's the end of the road for the Bears. Yeah. So I think what Diego and I have come to conclusion here is if you're the Bears and you want to get somebody like a Willie Anderson Jr., you probably need to trade further up. At ninth, it's probably not going to fall into your lap at ninth. All right. So we talked about this, or I talked about this on a prior episode. The Jets are looking more and more likely to be the franchise that Aaron Rodgers will play for. Now, Seconds ago, Diego just got a notification. What did it say? From Bleacher Report, the report says Packers Jets trade nearly done. Teams now waiting to hear if Aaron Rodgers will accept the trade to New York or retire. This is huge. So for me, it wasn't a question of will Aaron Rodgers go to the Jets. I was just thinking, okay, if he plays next year, he's going to be for the Jets. Everything is pointing that direction. My concern was... How are these teams going to figure out what the compensation is going to be? And what you just read says they figured it out. They're just waiting on Aaron. Yeah, I actually had in my uh, notes as well that on NFL Now, they reported that the Jets and the Packers had already worked out the compensation and how the contracts would be handled if the trade went through. That's insane. And now it seems like the trade is pretty much done. They just need Aaron Rodgers to make up his mind. So this is unfortunate timing for our podcast record as <laughs> as soon as this uploads, it's very possible that Aaron Rodgers will be a New York Jet. So if that happens, if you listen to this and Aaron Rodgers is a Jet, just know uh, this was our situation. <laughs> but this uh, this is crazy to me. Aaron Rodgers, who has played in Green Bay his entire career, is going to go to the Jets next year. Now, do you think he's going to keep that 50 mil? On that contract, think they're going to restructure it? They have to restructure it. I, yeah, I don't see how the Jets really want to pay that for someone who's that old and also contemplating retirement every like two seconds. Yeah. So this is going to be, this is going to be. I'm not going to say this is going to be a Tom Brady situation like when he went to the Bucks or a Joe Montana situation when he went to the Chiefs, but it's similar in the sense that you have a young team who is really good, and they know they're good. The Jets are a team that's a quarterback away, and not just not just any quarterback. You put a solid quarterback in that system, they have an incredible defense, incredible running game. So all they need is the QB. And when you put a guy like Aaron Rodgers in that locker room, what regardless of what you think of like his leadership style, anything like that, he's a known veteran, and he's arguably one of the best quarterbacks of all time. So these players are going to be like, oh my God. 
we got Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and that's going to kick in a little bit. I mean, think about it. The Bucks did that with Tom Brady. The Chiefs didn't have much success with Joe Montana, but still. Yeah. So what do you think? Well, I, I love this. And as we know, Sauce and Brees and Garrett Wilson had that uh, video where they burned the Chiefs head. Yeah. So they, they want him here. Mm-hmm. And it's going to completely change the team dynamic. And, you know, going from arguably, I think, the worst quarterback in the league last year. Yeah, Zach, Zach Wilson, Wilson was, was not good. Um, and, you know, you had Mike White as well, who was, you know, he played okay. Yeah. And Joe Flacco was in there for a bit as well. Um, you know, I I would be excited to be a Jets fan right now. This yeah. this team dynamic's going to flip. And you bring uh, you bring up Mike White. If this team, th- don't take this the wrong way, this is not me dissing Mike White. This is just simply saying you have a team that was completely willing and able to rally around Mike White. Imagine <laughs> when Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is there, what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. I mean... And they were a really good team to start the year yeah, as well. They went. They started the year five and zero. Oh. Yeah, they were. New York looked in really, really good at the start of the year. Both teams. So yeah, it was exactly. really exciting. But you know, I mean, if I'm Aaron Rodgers as well, I'm going from Alan Lazard and an old Randall Cobb to a Corey Davis and a Garrett Wilson. So I'm quite excited. In an offensive system that you're going to have some familiarity with, because Nathaniel Hackett's the new offensive coordinator. Exactly. So he knows that playbook. You're going to have Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett teach you the playbook. <laughs> They did what the Broncos couldn't and brought Aaron Rodgers to their team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I still think if you have Aaron Rodgers in your AFC East, let's be real. I don't think the Jets will win the division. It gives them a good shot, too. It does. But I still think the Bills would win that division. But the Jets could easily lock up a wild card spot. Yeah, I mean, that that Bills team is so good in the regular season. I actually do agree. I was looking at you with a surprised face, you thinking that the Jets wouldn't win it, and I completely forgot about the Bills. Yeah. The Bills are insane. But this hurts the Dolphins a lot. So much so. So much so. Because the Dolphins were a team that I think a lot of people had high expectations for, and then at the end of last year, I mean, just uh, tragedy struck that team. The Tua injuries... I mean, he missed five games, and now, and even when Tua was healthy, they lost to the Jets. Yeah, but hey, Skylar Thompson played pretty well against the Bills, so <laughs> he got through it. He got through it. I guess what I would say here is, does Aaron Rodgers make the Jets a Super Bowl contender? M- me, no. He gives you a good shot, but no. I think it could very well be like a Pittsburgh Steelers situation, like mm-hmm. long time ago, where they were the sixth seed and went through, but yeah. I don't. I wouldn't put them as a favorite anywhere close to that. You're not going to be a Tom Brady era Patriots team, a Ben Roethlisberger era Steelers team. You're going to be good. You're going to make the playoffs, but I don't know. The AFC is really scary. Chiefs, Bengals, Bills. That's a that's a hard conference to go into. Yeah, it wouldn't be fun. It wouldn't <laughs> be fun for Aaron Rodgers, but you know, he knows what to do. You got to be excited. I mean, like we said, one of the best players of all time, and he's go he's joining a really good young team. So this is this is a this is a reason to be excited. So. Yeah. So we or Diego alluded to this earlier, Lamar Jackson. My last episode I explained the Lamar franchise tag. Since then, we've gotten some more information on what exactly it means. So I'm going to do that right now. So if you're familiar with how NHL contracts work and how He's basically an RFA, a restricted free agent. If you don't know what that means, so this franchise tag is called the non-exclusive franchise tag. And what that means is they can place this on Lamar. It will pay him $32 million next year if he comes back, but it uh, gives him permission to talk to other teams. So now another team could speak to Lamar 
and give him a contract offer. Now, once that offer is officially made, the Ravens can make the decision to either A, match that contract, so they would just implement that same contract, but they would be the ones writing the check, and then they move on, which is essentially just allowing another team to to negotiate your contract for you. Or B, if the Ravens decide, you know what, we don't want to take that contract, Lamar goes to that team, and the Ravens will receive two first-round picks as compensation. So this instantly changes my perspective because what I'm seeing now is this is a really smart business decision because what the Ravens are doing here is they have been unable to make a decision or a, the Ravens have been <laughs> unable to make an agreement with Lamar about a contract for two years. And what you're essentially saying is as the business, you're saying, okay, you're telling us that this is how much you're worth. Let's throw it out there. Let's see if another team will offer that. And then depending on what that team does, if they make a contract offer, you go from there. So what's your cup of tea here? What, what, what do you think? Well, so you actually like spoke on something that I wanted to talk about, which was the whole situation. They made a smart business move here. Yeah. But this is why, if you look all over the place, people are saying the value for Lamar just like doesn't exist. Like Teams are not interested. And I have a quote here from... Uh, uh, supposedly a general manager said, why should we do DaCosta's dirty work for him? Yeah. They're just going to match any offer anyway. It was tweeted by U Stadium. So, and oh, sorry, go ahead. That, that, um, that tweet just like wraps it up perfectly. Like no team really wants to go make this offer because in the end of the day, they know it will get matched. So they want to see what Lamar can do to get out of the situation. And, you know, the Ravens would have five days to match the deal if it came through. And you know, I honestly think they would match it in like two seconds. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head here. I don't think this takes much critical analysis to figure out what's going on. Diego just nailed it. Yeah, they, like we already said, they're letting the market de decide Lamar's value, and then they'll make the contract based off of that. However, like you, that quote you just said, teams aren't going to want to make offers because of exactly what you just said. You're <laughs> basically saying, if you're the Ravens, you're like, hey, Atlanta, Washington, Carolina, whoever, talk to Lamar, give him an offer, and then we'll pay it. Because if Lamar really wants north of 250 guaranteed, if you're the Ravens, you're sitting here saying, one, there's like a 99% chance that that's just not going to happen. And two, if it does, all right, leave. We'll get two first-round picks. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm on the same situation there where it's like, there's no way a team would really want to do this. Lamar is definitely like a, a problem for them but this 250 million is solely thanks to the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun yeah. Watson D and Deshaun played horrible compared Oof. to what he used to be yeah so Lamar is in a situation where hey I'm better than Deshaun I know I'm worth this value Ravens don't want to pay it Falcons don't want to pay it Commanders don't want to pay it not because they don't want to but because they know Ravens will end up paying it anyway yeah it's the whole I keep saying RFA I know that's hockey terms but that's just how I'm thinking of it that's exact it's exactly what's it's happening the exact same situation like Lamar can talk to other teams but the Ravens still own his contract rights <laughs> like um now, there's also the possibility, too, that these teams are going out and saying that we're not going to talk to Lamar because, I mean, they could just be lying. Also, free agency hasn't technically started yet. It doesn't start till Wednesday. So there's time. But this is a situation where I'm not blaming it all on Lamar and I'm not blaming it all on the Ravens. Both I can see both sides here. It's just Lamar has been sticking by this 250, or we don't know the exact number, but we have a lot of reason to believe that it is a Deshaun Watson-type contract. But the problem is, Deshaun, yes, he set the market, but 
could, I mean, I think you could also argue it was kind of an exception too, because nobody makes that type of money. It's a, it's a weird situation. You always have that one guy that comes through and makes an insane amount of money. You can look at NBA. There's countless issues where there's some dude gets a massive contract and sucks. Like Chandler Parsons. Like a, if pe- people know who Chandler Parsons is, he made bank off of playing like crap for teams. <laughs> but it's just that one of those situations where Deshaun Watson has unfortunately set the market for Lamar. Yeah. And, you know, with every situation that's going on with Lamar, especially those injuries, I mean, it's just not a area that as a general manager I would really want to touch I'd rather look at potentially getting one of those draft picks yeah and I think the thing that hurts Lamar here it's not his own fault it's just people will hold the injuries over his head and the fact that he's one in three in the playoffs I know playoff wins and stuff that's a team thing that's all on the team but it's just the fact of the matter is the quarterback is the one who gets the record and Teams are going to say, well, they've only won one game. All right, so the Miami Dolphins made headlines yesterday. They have picked up Tua Tagovailoa's fifth-year option. So essentially what this means is next year, he will still be on contract for his rookie deal. He will be owed $9 million. And then they extended him an additional year. In 2024, he will make $23 million. Now... This does give Miami an option if they choose to move him. There's a no tra- there is not a no trade clause in here. So if the Dolphins they decide they want to pursue Lamar, they could still trade uh, Tua. Tua last year, he had career highs in passing yards, passing touchdowns, completion percentage, and passer rating, which he actually led the league in passer rating at the end of the year. But on the other side of that, he also had two confirmed concussions and a possible third. I, th- I think everybody is in agreement that it was a third, but only on official re- records, it's two. He missed five games, including the wild card round. So, what do you think about Miami picking up Tua for another year? Well, I think this is the smartest idea that they could have done because it's a situation of now we're monitoring uh, Tua's health. Like, mm-hmm. this is a situation where you don't really know where it's going to go. But you pick up that fifth year, you don't have to negotiate a contract with him. You're not going to have to go through this Lamar situation where it's like, oh, injuries, you know, we're going to lower the money. Because yeah. then Tua will be like, well, this is your fault. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a smart situation for them. You know, you play out this season, see how it goes. You know, he's cleared concussion protocol. We'll hope it's it's r- real good doctors this time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this is a... It's a good situation for Miami. It's a good situation for Tua because in the end of the day, if he plays really well here, going into that fifth year, now he's making more money and he can negotiate a really good contract for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you did an awesome job right there. I think this is not a bad idea at all. Tua Tagovailoa is a very good quarterback. Pick up your fifth year because you postponed the negotiations. I don't see anything wrong with this. The thing that just worries me is the injuries. If Tua had not sustained two slash three concussions last year, I would have just been like, yeah, this is great. You did the obvious right choice. But I'm just genuinely concerned about Tua's health at this point. It's a it's a scary situation. You know, you uh Joe Burrow was taught mentioned stuff about it as well. He mentioned how we're just gonna get hit in the head over and over and over. Like, you know the risk, but mm-hmm. Tua's injuries were something else where you threw him back in knowing that something was wrong. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I don't like the situation for Tua. 
I hope for the best, of course. I love watching Tua. I think he's a great quarterback. He's yeah. got an arm, but, you know, we hope for the best. Of course. Now, I brought up the fact that there is there's not a no-trade clause in this, which means that if Miami decided that they wanted to trade Tua, there's nothing in his contract preventing them from doing it. Do you think the Dolphins make a run for Lamar, or do you think they make a run for anybody and move on from Tua? I mean... I would I would probably argue Tua Tagovailoa is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Miami explores in the next two years a different quarterback and shipping Tua somewhere else? I think you have to. I think you definitely look into it. Um, you know, I think the heart in you would love Tom Brady to come back, but, <laughs> but in all seriousness, like you can look at trading Tua. You got to look into it. Yeah. Uh, teams will give up something for it. So I think it's a enticing deal but when Lamar's kind of deal is now I think you still have to gamble on Tua yeah I would agree I don't think you take a shot at Lamar this year but like you said Tua despite the injuries is still a very talented quarterback his trade value may have gone down I mean it definitely I would assume that it definitely has but he's still worth something to someone. Take a team like the Texans or the Colts who don't have a quarterback. They would love. <laughs> I mean, if I was working there, I would love to bring Tua in. Yeah, I would. Uh, I'd have to look at something. You know, there's teams everywhere that need a quarterback. So they could also look into Tua, but I think they're also in the same boat where it's like, what did you do to Tua during that time, during the concussions? Because I don't want to end up with a broken Tua on my team, and I gave up a couple pieces. Yeah, exactly. All right, we're going to shift from the turf to the court. A couple days ago, the NBA world received news that Kevin Durant was injured in pregame warmups in his home debut for the Phoenix Suns. I have gotten on this podcast before. We talked about the trade when it happened. We've talked about KD a couple of times, actually, in the last month or two. This, this hurts. <laughs> this really hurts. <laughs> you didn't have KD for long. Now, okay. We don't know the severity of the injury yet, but he did not play the game. Uh, it's, it's, it's a left ankle injury. This, I feel like this is the Suns nightmare because as I spoke to before, you're in a situation, you being the Phoenix Suns, are in a situation, you're built to win now. If you don't win a title this year or next year, this is a failure because you have players like Chris Paul and Kevin Durant who are in their mid to late 30s you have no draft capital. You traded it all away. And you do have a player like Devin Booker who's incredible in 26. But you're going to get to this point in the near future where Durant and Paul are not going to be there because of maybe they leave or retirement. I'm saying because they're older. And you have no draft capital. So you're going to have a young Devin Booker with nobody around him. So you have to win now. And Kevin Durant is down. Yeah, I um, this is a really bad situation for the Phoenix Suns. You know, um, Shams did report that he will be reevaluated in two weeks, so okay. that's a good thing. Um, but KD has missed like roughly ninety games since his Achilles injury. Yeah, so it's not the Suns should be extremely concerned. And in a situation where uh, Chris Paul and KD finally leave. You know, Devin Booker was never able to lead that team. Chris Paul came in, and then all of a sudden. They switch to a dominant team, but Devin Booker needs another person next to him. He's not a Kobe Bryant. He can't lead that team all on his own. But one thing that I saw that was quite interesting was a Twitter exchange between Kevin Durant and Stan Van Gundy. 
where they talked about how old NBA players used to be so much more physical. And because of this, if you notice, there's not as many soft issue, uh, soft tissue injuries that occurred in the late 90s compared to now. Teams have been suffering a lot more hamstring injuries. You see people miss like five days just here and there because they just get these soft tissue injuries. You know, James Harden leaving Rockets to the Nets. Yeah. I mean, that he got injured constantly. He kept missing games. And it seemed, and I saw some report that like, James Harden used to just kind of like run around the stadium to stay healthy if he was, you know, going to miss a bit of a game or something. And the Nets told him to not and that they wanted him to rest. And there's a lot of resting, a lot of resting. And then these te- these players get back in and they get injured again. You know, we saw KD rest, injured. You see Kawhi rest, injured. You see James Harden. As, and now James Harden is playing as much as he wants in Philly. He's been amazing for them. So it's a situation where it's kind of interesting. But of course, at the same time, I'm not saying play them all 82 games because that's also an injury risk. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, like like we said, so you just talked about injuries and like I said about the age. Not only do you have aging veterans like Kevin Durant and Chris Paul on this team who you are investing, you invested your entire future into these two guys. Yeah. But they're also two veterans who are very good, very good players, but they're injury prone. KD, like you said, he's missed 90 plus games probably. And Chris Paul has a tendency to get injured in the playoffs. Yeah. So what do you do? Because for me, I don't think the Suns will make the playoffs. They're currently fourth in the West. Oh, no, there's there's no doubt in my mind they make They will make the playoffs. That's not your concern. But that's not your goal. Your goal is to win the title. So what happens if you find yourself in the second round and you don't have either of them? I think it's a situation where uh, you might look on... And try to move on from Chris Paul. He's the older of the two. He's definitely a player that has been moved around a ton. He went from Clippers to Houston to Thunder to Phoenix. So I think he's the more movable piece. You don't want to just move on from KD. Right. Because he's and, probably, when he's healthy, he's got to be one of the best players in basketball. Oh, easily. And also, if you move on from him that quickly, teams are not going to offer what you offered. Yes. Because they're going to be like, hmm, that didn't work for you, so I'll offer less. And you hit on what I wanted to say about the offer. Let's say that the Suns decide to trade Chris Ball. Two things pop in my head. One, well, that was fast, like trying to win a title. But two, what are you going to get back for him? He's 37. What are you gonna, you're, I don't doubt you're, there's only So for those of you who don't know, there's only two rounds in the NBA draft, just the first and second round. I doubt you would get a first-round pick for Chris Ball. You'd be lucky to get a second. You would probably just get roster players. I don't think you would get draft picks. Yeah, you'd have to look at like getting a, like a Malik Monk who's a, good starting shooting guard but will never like be a star you have to look at getting like one of the best role players in the game for chris paul because otherwise you you there's you'll get like a 30th overall pick if you're trying to trade him for just picks like no team will offer up their future for a super old chris paul and you wouldn't get a player like ice tray like you would not be able to get a young superstar or a superstar in like his early 30s you would probably just get like a middle guy, like somebody who could be a bench player, but like comes in like right off the paint, you know? So. Yeah, it's going to be a tough situation if it doesn't work out. But honestly, I think if injuries don't affect them, it's going to be one hard team to beat. Yeah. If Katie can get healthy, this team will be scary. This team will be. <laughs> but the concern of aging veterans getting injured, we are already seeing it. And that is something to maybe not freak out about Diego and I are just talking hypotheticals here. So I wouldn't freak out yet, 
but it's definitely something to be a little concerned about. <laughs> we are going to conclude today's episode with my favorite segment, the dog of the day. Diego, who is your dog of the day? Man, I am excited to do this. So first off, I have an honorable mention because I, I thought about this okay. for a very long time. Um, over the past week, we saw Liverpool versus Man United we over did. in England where they were up 1-0 at halftime, Liverpool was, and we figured, oh, okay. But 7-0 was the final score. Liverpool Oof. unloaded on the second half. That's a touchdown and an extra point. <laughs> there was a brace from Cody Gapto. Darwin Nunez, Mohamed Salah, who was the man of the match, and Roberto Firmino also scored a goal. This helped Liverpool get up to fifth on the table as well, which now puts them in a situation where they could qualify for the Champions League, yeah. fighting with Spurs, who are currently fourth. And this would be insane if they qualify for the Champions League because this has been a very poor season for Liverpool. Mm. But the reason they're not winning this is because as of today, they just lost, I'm pretty sure. Or, well, they were losing. I don't know if they the game officially ended. Let's see. Uh, yo, they did lose. Okay. So <laughs> they lost to Bournemouth. So they're not my dog of the day. The dog of the day goes to Fernando Alonso Ooh. in Formula One. Aston Martin last year arguably had the seventh fastest car. Fernando Alonso moves to Aston Martin in a shock deal. He finished in the top three in free practice one, free practice two, and free practice three. He qualified fifth going into the Grand Prix. He got hit by his own teammate into lap one. And he overtook Hamilton and Sainz to take third and get Aston Martin their f second podium ever. So my dog of the day is Fernando Alonso. How's that? Diego comes in and he talks about soccer and F1, which we have not touched on this show yet. Thank you so much for giving us that insight. <laughs> I'm also going to touch on the sport that we have not talked about on the show yet. I'm going to go to the college swimming world and I'm going to give my dog of the day to freshman Luke Dinges of Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida. It is the NCAA Division II National Swimming Championships right now happening at IUPUI in Indianapolis, Indiana. And Luke Dinges swam the 200-yard butterfly in prelims with a time of 147.28, setting the school record for Rollins. Wow. <laughs> Placing 11th, makes the B final, Comes back that night, swims a 147.56, so he was only .3 off the time that he swam that morning, which is bonkers. Finished third in that heat, 11th overall. Congratulations, Luke Dinges. Dude had a monster year. He set three school records at the conference championship meet in February. Sets two more. Uh, like Breaks his own school records that he set at NCAAs <laughs> two, three weeks later. Dude, I mean... Pun intended. Dude's flying. Dude, he's, in, he's insane. An animal. Congrats, Luke. Congratulations, Luke. That is going to do it for this installment of the Dogs on the Hill podcast. Thank you so much for joining me this morning, Diego. It was a lot of fun, dude. It's been a blast. I hope I can come back at some point. Yeah, I would love to have you back. This was, this was so much fun. We are going to go, we being the show, going to go on break for a couple of days, but we will be back with some more sports news very soon. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your week. Thank you so much, Diego. It's been a lot of fun. I hope to have you back next time.